Hey everybody and welcome to a brand new episode of Fandrag Sports Premier League Podcast with me, Sebastian Noren, Pauli Quistel, and Elliot Niblock. Winter is here. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah, it's getting cold. The overnight low in Missoula tonight is minus two. Ugh. Festive period! Yep. God. This yeah. is my favorite time of the year because it's when Arsene Wenger complains about his players playing too much and then plays them all for 90 minutes every game and says things like, Alexis Sanchez needs a break. <laughs> yeah. Never subs him off the field, even if they're up three nil. Yeah. I was gonna hey, say. they took him off today when he was up three, when we were up three now. Yep. I mean, Actually, it was four nil at the time. Maybe it was four one. I don't know. But yeah. in any case, he came off in the 70, 75th minute. There you go. You get a little bit of rest. So we're going to talk about match day 14 here. Uh, things got off to a, uh, Pretty interesting start there when Chelsea took a 3-1 win over Manchester City at the Etihad. And, um, I mean, the the big talking point here, I would say, is the two red cards that came about late, late in the game. Uh, Sergio Aguero put in a poor challenge of David Luiz, got a red card, and in the ensuing melee, that was like both teams just got together in a big group. Uh, Fernandinho, he um, pushed uh, Fabregas by the throat, uh, which, you know, you're not allowed oh, to do that. You're really, what? really making it sound different from what happened. Okay, what's your character? Yeah, what, okay, yeah, let me hear this. He, he put his hand on the guy's throat in a tight grip, shoved him backwards, then did it again, and then shoved him over the advertising board. Yes. yes, it was. I, I mean, it was a little I, bit more some kind of sugarcoating it. How is sugarcoating I mean, it when you push someone and by the throat? Well, he didn't really like push him by the throat. It was kind of like a a a grab the throat and a grab then a shove. shove. Grab it shove. It was a grab shove. A okay. grab shove. It's like it, like it's not like he it's not like he went to push him and he ended up like hitting him in the throat. It was like he kind of had him by the throat and then pushed back. Yeah, like, he did. He did the crab claw and then pushed it. Yeah. It was full meditated. Yes. The, the crab claw throat shove. Exactly. Copyright. Yeah. So Aguero got straight red. Fernandinho got straight red. Aguero, since he's already been suspended once this season, he was award, or awarded. He was <laughs> handed a four-game uh, suspension. So he's going to be he's out. He's going to miss the festive period. So he's going to come into January fresh as f-word well i think he's back for the last game of this december right so, but all right he's back for the last game but he doesn't have to play two days before that true so uh, up to no, you uh, know what that means kelechi ianacho to show and you know what else that means no what else when january starts man city have a fresh sergio aguero and a fresh gabriel jesus mm-hmm. oh yep where is mm. jesus gonna slot in on in this team though I don't know where you didn't think Yaya Toure was going to slot into this. No, no, game. I'm just wondering what position you know you would play him in at this point. Would you put um, him out on the right and show Navas the bench again? Yeah, I was going to say anywhere where you wanted to put Jesus Navas, you just put Gabriel Jesus instead. Yeah. Hey, Navas, he had a good cross for that own goal by Gary Cahill. He also yeah. had a setup to Kevin De Bruyne who missed to keep that zero assist streak alive. <laughs> Mm, so yeah, Gary Cahill scored an own the, goal. The thing is, though, here's the thing about yes. Jesus Navas is because I don't want to detract from what he does do, and he does serve a valuable role. Yeah, but he he's very to his position. He's very one-dimensional. But he sticks to his position. Yes, he he sticks out on the right side and creates space for everybody else. You don't have to worry about him coming in and trying to get to the middle. And we saw it last year. City ran into a lot of problems last year when they played De Bruyne and Silva and Raheem Sterling Mm -hmm. on at the same time is nobody really stuck to the wing. They all wanted to get to the middle. And the team, for whatever Jesus Navas does, the team played better when he was out on the right side than when he was out on the right side rather than somebody else because he stays out there. True. Absolutely true. Yeah, so own goal by Gary Cahill. I know it's a player that, uh, Elliot, you've uh, said you had a lot of love for. Previously, yeah, so. I got a lot of love for him. Yeah. Although, admittedly, my partisan 
disposition is such that I actually have even more love for him when he's scoring own goals for his club. But <laughs> I mean, I, I still think he's a pretty solid center back, regardless of occasional gaffes or, you know, I mean, he's, I, I'll say this, that I would take Koscielny over him in a heartbeat. I mm. think that also Mustafi might have more potential than he does. I mean, maybe a higher ceiling, but. Oh, I would take Mustafi over Cahill. Yeah, but he's, he's a player I rate highly, nonetheless. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, I mean, it was a perfect, you know, goal for City. They got, you know, ahead right before halftime, but then Chelsea battled back in the second half. Costa, William, and Eden Hazard with the goals for them. So, eight wins in a row. They've allowed two goals in those eight games, and they have a three-point lead at the top of the table. Here's the question. How come these big fights seem to follow Chelsea around. Oh, you mean they, yeah, yeah, Chelsea yeah. don't have an issue don't, I mean, Chelsea don't have an issue with players getting suspended left mm-hmm. and right, but they seem to always be uh like they involved. get under the skin under other teams. It's uh, yeah. Like I mean, it seem, happens every time there's got... a big fight, Chelsea seems to be one of the teams involved. Yeah. I mean, you got Costa, he's good at that. You David Luiz also good at that. So Although I l- let me just say, I feel like there's there's an important storyline here, and I know we've talked a lot already, certainly on this show in general, but this season as well, about like managerial storylines. But this is one in which I feel like the you know the Premier League debutantes clearly Conte comes out head and shoulders above Guardiola, and. And I think that it is, even though, Paulie, to your point, like, yeah, Chelsea have been involved in a lot of fracas in the last season or two. And I think that a lot of that is down to Costa. But I also think that Antonio Conte has man-managed Diego Costa very well. And I still don't rate him as someone who I would want to sit down and have a beer with. Like, I, I, I do not like him. But I think that Conte has helped to kind of rein him in somewhat. And in this game, when... You know, Chelsea coming into the Etihad, taking all three points, and then Sergio Aguero wildly losing his cool on a, you know, a violent, dangerous challenge, which was clearly born out of frustration, desperation, and whatever he says, I think a desire to injure the player. Like, it, like the, it is night and day versus Conte inheriting this player that we know to have, uh, you know, fractious and violent past and then Sergio Aguero whose praises we regularly sing and less frequently criticize for being a hothead you know the the man management is just night and day and I think that you know I've been the one on this show frequently saying you know we need to give Guardiola some time the jury's still out but boy this is you know this is really clearly uh oh shit moment for Pep Guardiola and Manchester City. Yeah, we should say too that they got a 1-1 draw here on Tuesday against Celtic in the Champions League. Brendan uh, Rodgers! Pretty, pretty heavily rotated side that they put out though. Um, Pablo Maffeo and Tosin Adabara Bioyo in the central defense. We don't know, man. You're our pronunciation expert. Yeah, I have so. no idea on that name. Uh, never heard about the... He has number 53. That's his squad number, so... Um, but yeah, Ian Acho scored, and he's going to be their go-to guy here, really, next couple of games. Yeah, I mean, he has to be, but he, he that finish was excellent, and I think he acquitted himself well. Granted, you know, all credit to Brendan Rodgers and Celtic. I nonetheless feel that even if Leicester had been struggling going into the King Power Stadium, he might have a little bit tougher time of it uh, at the weekend than he did midweek. But, you know, all credit to him. He played well. Yeah. Yeah, and then Patrick Roberts, who is on loan from Manchester City, scored for Celtic. Wait, is that is that like non-competing clause? Not con- like, like Does it not extend to non-domestic league play? They probably didn't put that in there, no. No. <laughs> funny so he scored for them so good for him um so yeah chelsea at the top city they're down in fourth and uh paulie how worried would you be if you're a man city fan right now i know not, you i know you would barf at the thought of it but not not no. worried 
Uh, I don't think Tottenham are going to get their stuff together in, in time. But again, wait, again, um, I stayed woke about this. That's what I think that's what the kids are saying right now. Stay woke. Um, yeah. What? I was very woke about this from the start. All right. The media, when, when the names started getting linked and I said, hey, United signed Jose Mourinho, not a good signing. And, they, and City signed Pep Guardiola. And I said, oh, let's, you know, let's not bring out the parade just yet. This is a team that could very well struggle. Uh, and I think that they're more likely to compete for fourth place than they are for the title. And even when they, when they started the season very well, I said, yep, they're playing very well. But, the, you know, they haven't faced a challenge yet. And you look at it with Chelsea and Liverpool playing the way that they're playing and, and Arsenal haven't Arsenaled yet. Fourth place looks kind of like where Manchester City are, are going to get comfortable. I don't think that they're going to really fight for it, though, because I don't think Tottenham are going to keep up with them. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, one thing that is worrying is that they have only won one game out of the last six at home in all competitions. Yeah, dude, only like one team has won a game in Manchester in the league since like September. Yeah. That's like, that's if, like really in, in the city of Manchester, only one game has finished with a winner. And looking at those games that Aguero is going to miss, he's going to miss the away game to Leicester and then home games against Watford and Arsenal and then an away trip to Hull. And then he'll be back for the um, New Year's Eve game against Liverpool. Oh, that sounds – that's not a bad schedule. You don't really have to worry about Arsenal because they have a tendency to play against good teams and not shoot towards the goal. So, <laughs> uh, City might struggle for goals in that game, but they don't really have to worry about them coming back the other way. We'll see, we'll see. Uh, yeah, we'll see about that. Yeah, we'll talk a little bit more about Arsenal in a little bit. But Crystal Palace, they took a 3 nothing win against Southampton. Good win for them that took uh, – Ended a very bad run for them. Before that game, they had six straight losses, I want to say. Yep, six straight losses. But you know what they did have? What did they have? More than two wins since September started. Oh. And there's a certain team that can't say that. No, that's true. That's true. Christian Benteke, two of the goals, and James Tompkins, the other one. Uh, so I mean, a much-needed win for Palace. Yes. They they sit in 14th place, 14 points, three points, uh, you know, above the drop there with Sunderland currently in 18th place with 11 points. Southampton, though. I mean, we all had them winning this game. We did, yeah. And it's just an uncharacteristic loss from them. But this goes back to... Exactly what we spoke about for a while last show is there's just so many teams in the league that are very good, but just inconsistent. And they, you know, there's always a game once in a while where they just don't show up and they lay a dud. Yeah, but it's their biggest loss of the season. <laughs> yeah, but that happens. First of all, yeah. I hate that saying. Like, one of the losses, if you lose three games or if you lose 15 games, one of them is going to be your biggest loss of the season. True. But I mean that by, also speaks to default. that also speaks to their good defensive record since a three nothing right. loss is it, their it, biggest it just, loss. It happens. Yeah, like, exactly. You have an off night. Yeah, yeah. They take you on. Have an off night. They take on Hapoel Bercheva in the Europa League on Thursday before they take on Middlesbrough on Sunday. Both that games. Was a very at interesting. Home. Very interesting pronunciation of Hapoel Bercheva. I. <laughs> you know, whatever. I know you like to fathom yourself as the pronunciation expert, but hey, I that one right. I probably didn't. Not. Not too good on my Israeli names. No. Because <laughs> usually they suck. That's why. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's, mm? a Europa, it's a Europa League quality uh, league mm -hmm. out, out there. They do get like three or four teams into the Europa League every year, though. Yeah. Meh. Call me when they get to the Champions League. So, <laughs> 2 nothing win over Burnley. John Wait, Walters was a beautiful... Tel Aviv, yes. uh, yeah, Maccabees in Champions League last year? Maybe. Yeah, and they and they didn't pick up a point. Oh, yeah, they were They terrible. were in Chelsea's group, and they were, the, they were the reason that, like, one of the teams picked up 10 points and didn't go through because mm -hmm. everybody just beat the crap out of... Uh, 
Tel Aviv. And I think they scored like one goal. That's not very good. Uh, Yeah. What was I going to say? Yeah, John Walters. Beautiful, beautiful volley there for the opening goal in this one. I don't think he even understood that he scored that goal. That was pure (laughs) luck. Pure, pure luck. And then Mark Muniesa with the other one. So uh, good on Stoke. 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 They move up to ninth place. 19 points. They're only one point behind Everton and West Brom and two points behind Manchester United. Wait, who who wrote in the the Google Doc for the scoreline? That was you. (laughs) Seriously, Elliot always wins when this happens. Yeah. it's well, we said it when when we made the picks. We specifically said you were going to win this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's true. So yeah, good on them. Burnley still looking for that first away win. I thought it was going to come. Sunderland they beat Leicester two to one. Leicester. Yeah, none of us. None of us got that. Uh, one. No, no, of course not. Um, Robert Huth. Wait, 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 yes. wait, wait. Before we even start talking about Leicester, let's give Sunderland some credit. They've won three out of their last four, and maybe, just maybe. When you get a new manager, uh, you need to give him some time to like settle things in. Really, find the right players. Really, uh, that is players to to uh, be. Um, that is players to be do uh, to be playing the right way and really figure out which one, which what's your best system. God, and you're eventually so... when that happens, no. what you're being such a hypocrite right now. Uh I'm not, I, I understand what you're saying. And I actually wrote this down as a story idea uh, earlier this week is what's the difference between knowing when to sack a manager and when to give him time. Um, and there's a difference. And in this case, you know, in this case, you weren't going to, you weren't going to sack David Moyes anyway. No. He's dealing with a relegation team and they finally, first of all, got like a good stretch of winnable games, but like they've also started to get confidence that they can, that they can um, that they can do better. Mm-hmm. On the other side, the other manager that we're talking about, and we'll get to him later. It's a different story with a different situation, and there really isn't a way to believe that things are all of a sudden going to get better. Understandable, yeah. And then they got Jermaine Defoe. I mean, eight goals in fourteen appearances. Yeah, he's he's having a, a season. He I mean, found he, the, he and, found the fountain of youth, and or he is just taking the same. Uh, supplements that Bartolo Colon has been taking recently. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. So, I mean, that could also be the difference between, you know, getting relegated and staying up. If you if you got one of those goal scorers, that's going to equal, you know, a win here, a win there. Leicester... Tell that, well, tell that to QPR. Yeah, that's true. But they were just so poor that not even Charlie Austin could save them. Well, no, but I mean, look, Defoe scored... 15 goals last year. He scored um, 11, 11, 18 with Tottenham, 7 and 8 with Portsmouth. I mean, the guy, the guy pots goals. The issue is you need to, um, you need to have a secondary scorer. That's really what has been Sunderland's downside. And now they got help from Robert Huth. And the guy has, <laughs> has 19 goals in 55 England caps. That my friends, is a much better uh, production rate than one Theo Walcott. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Ooh. Yep. A very comparable amount of games. Yeah, although also I think that the true difference in Theo Walcott's game in 2016 has been his dedication to tracking back and defending and trying to win aerial duels and tackles, all of which he has won more of so far this year than he had all of last year combined. And he's nonetheless also had goals, so I think that his overall game is remarkably improved, even if you know, that part you know, of the statue just, isn't. You know who you just described? You who? just described Rick Nash. Like, oh, yeah, he's supposed to be a goal scorer, but he's not scoring goals. So what does he do? He skates hard and he plays good defense and he plays a complete game right now. And it's like, yeah, but you're supposed to score goals. Well, yeah, but the difference being that Theo Walcott never used to track back. Like, This is a huge difference in his game. He's always been... He's trying to stay on the field, but like at the end of the day, Theo Walcott's supposed to be a goal scorer, and he's not. Uh, okay, he scored six goals and has two assists in 13 Premier League games. That is not that bad, right? Like, 
that that is not a terrible return, no. especially considering he now is far more reliable in tracking back in defense when playing on the wing, which is exactly the reason that he was kept off the team sheet, exactly the reason that Lucas Podolski failed to consistently earn a spot in the starting 11, and that Arsene Devenger demands that, as he should, to play as a wide player. And I I, I don't know. I've, I have frequently criticized Theo Walcott, but this year I've got a lot of love for him because I think that he has changed his attitude and his game has changed as well. I'm not saying that he's a world-beating striker, but oh well, that's okay because we have that in Alexis. Mm-hmm. Um, Theo Walcott, one goal, zero assists since October 15th. Yeah, so, yeah, whatever. So whatever. kind of buying into it. We nine goals in our last two games. I'm I'm not weeping for Arsenal's right now. <laughs> kind of bu- kind of playing into my early season Theo Walcott theory. Okay. Mm-hmm. Let's see. get back on track here with Leicester, though. Uh, three losses and two draws in the last five league games. They're in 16th place, 13 points, just two points above Sunderland and Hull. And, I mean, at this point, you you have to be worried if you weren't already. Oh, oh yeah. I mean, the most amazing thing being that they're uh, going to be in pot one for the Champions League draw and then at the same time battling. Not surprising. Not surprising. Also, not the first to do it. Again, we br- I bring this up every two weeks, but Dortmund was even in a worse situation two years ago. Yeah, yeah. But they also, I mean, admittedly, you know, As they I, I have champs, a lot of respect know. for the Bundesliga, but still. They weren't the reigning was... champs, but they weren't reigning champs, no. but um, oh no, they were two years removed from the, uh, I think it was the first year they didn't have Lewandowski. And no. they, they beat Arsenal, so they won the group in the Champions League. And then, and they were in, what, 17th place going into the winter break? Mm-hmm. Leicester, they're um, historically bad now as reigning champions in the Premier League. They lost the key to their team. They lost the key to the team. You think, you think that was in Golo? Yeah. I mean, if you, if you listen to the way people describe them, they say that, you know, like, first of all, then Polly's Mendy has been injured all year. They, and, mm-hmm. and really, the, the, the issue has been trying to replace N'Golo Conte. They've been... They've been trying to find guys to uh, to to add to the scoring, so they weren't so reliant on Jamie Vardy. But teams are sitting back more; they're not playing a high line against them, so there's less room for Vardy to just run in behind the defense. So that already takes away Vardy's biggest strength. Uh, and then the work that N'Golo Conte did, they said, people said it was just it was. If you talk to players, they would say he did the work of two players. Yeah. And now, and that freed up Danny Drinkwater to, you know, do a lot of other things. And now Danny Drinkwater has to help out the other midfielder, and it takes two players to do the work that Angolo Conte did. Yeah. No, I, 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 t- I totally agree with you, Paulie, because I think that his job was like being that really hyperactive shield for the back four and winning the ball, and that allowed Drinkwater because he's really good at spraying those long passes from deep lying midfield position, but. Like he could have his eye up midfield and be like half paying attention to that line because he knew that he was partnered with N'Golo Kante. And now that that's not the case, then he's not nearly as defect as effective in playing long balls. In addition to teams like tactically adjusting for that, yeah, I mean it's his his absence has been huge at Leicester City, that's for sure. But I I still I don't I don't think they're going to be relegated. I, I hate to say it for Bob Bradley's sake, but I do think that the three teams in the relegation zone right now will be the three teams who are relegated at the end of this season. Ooh, nice, nice way to say that before Christmas. Yeah, yeah. Love I it did. when people love it when people rush to conclusions as if they've never watched this league before. I mean, I'm I'm not I'm not saying that that's you know that that might change hugely, but I. You, you look at the teams directly above them, right? You look at the the possible exception being Burnley, Burnley yeah. but I, I think that West Ham and Leicester and Palace all probably have what it takes to stay up. Maybe even, you know, and Burrow is not that far out of that, but Burnley is the only exception that I think might fall down into that muck. 
But I, you know what? If I could find a bet line on it right now, and maybe I'll search for one after the podcast is done, I would put money on Sunderland Hall and Swansea being the three. Sunderland have just won three of their past four. They're like turning a corner. They are turning a corner, but there's a lot of, as you said, Paulie, it's not yet Christmas. There's a lot of corners to turn. Mm, and, and you look at their team sheet, and I just go, yeah. oh, no. Oh, but, no. All right. But let's also look at this. Look at the teams ahead of them. I mean, South. all right, let's go all the way up to Southampton. We like Southampton. We all probably think they're going to score. They're going to finish, you know, ninth, 10th, you know, somewhere around there, ninth, 10th, 11th, 12th. We like them. They're really good. Um, you know, they're four, five, and five. That's not that good. They, anything could happen with them. More importantly, 17 points. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's six points above Sunderland. Six points is the same distance between United and fifth place Tottenham. So it's not a lot. And, you know, all the other teams below Southampton, they're just as inconsistent. That all, it, it, it's kind of like winning, it's kind of like winning the Super Bowl in the NFL. It, it doesn't always go to the best team or the most consistent team, it usually goes to the team that really plays well down the stretch and gets a good run. And right now, if Sunderland just keep playing like this where they're keeping the pace with somebody, a good run at the end of the year is all you need. Yes. No, I agree with that. And and I think that, I mean, I think that Burnley could slip into that Sunderland position, but I, I still think that those three are my picks with the possible exception of Burnley as being like the you know, hedge the bets for the superfecta and only a trifecta bet. Mm. Speaking of the teams at the bottom, Swansea suffered a heavy 5 nothing defeat on the road against Tottenham. Christian Eriksen with two goals, Harry Kane with two goals, and Hyung-Min Son with a goal as well. And uh, Elliot, you said, I, unfortunately for Bob Bradley, this might not be Bob Bradley's problem. Soon, yeah. if the reports that came out today are correct, which are, by the way, ridiculous. <laughs> well, I mean, they're, they're already on their third manager this season. Well, that don't you think that that's part of the problem? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know. I, I mean, I, I think that you gotta. I still think back to even though I'm not. I'm not totally sure he was the man for the job. I think back to the, you know, the, um, oh God, I'm blanking on their names, but the Red Sox owners who own Liverpool. Yeah. Like their promises for Roy Hodgson and his tenure at Liverpool. Like, oh yeah, you know, we'll give him time. We'll give him time. We'll give him time. Acts before the transfer window. And, and I like to think that, he would have done better with that. I don't know that he would have certainly, but it's still, it's just, it's so brutal to see managers brought in and then kicked out immediately, especially, especially in this case, when you're being brought in to take over an already demoralized and struggling squad, mm-hmm. right? Like you don't even have an off season as Hodgson had. So, no, I, yeah, that's all. How, I mean, here's the question. Yeah. How much better could Bob Bradley have done? Look at who he's who they've played since he's come in. Um, Arsenal, Watford, Stoke, Manchester United, Everton, uh, Crystal Palace, Tottenham. And they've picked up five points in those one, two, three, four, five, six, seven games. Five points in seven games. That's bad, not terrible. Yeah. Um, they lost to Arsenal, who are in the top four. They got a nil-nil draw with Watford, who were in the top half of the table at the time, and are currently 11th. Uh, They lost to Stoke in an away game, so playing at Stoke is never easy. And by the way, Stoke's the top half of the the table team. Mm -hmm. They lost to Manchester United 3-1, which is pretty pathetic when you think about Manchester United's league form, but nevertheless, top half of the table team. They got a 1-1 draw with Everton, who are a top half of the table team, but talent, but they are dropping so quickly they won't be for long. So kudos to them. They got a point. They played Crystal Palace, who are near the relegation zone, and guess what? They beat them. Then they played Tottenham, who are in the top five, and they, they lost. What more do you want him to do? He's playing really good teams. Mm-hmm. He hasn't had the easiest of schedules. No, absolutely not. And I mean, I, I feel like, you know, sacking Bradley and get a third manager in for a single season, that's that's just poor 
club management. But, I mean, looking back at the manager that they've had in recent years, we'll go as far back as Roberto Martinez. He was there for two years and 111 days. After that, you had Paul Sosa for about a year, a year and 13 days. Brendan Rodgers, a year, 321 days. Mikel Laudrup, one year, 232 days. Gary Monk, one year, 308 days. Then Guidolin, 259 days. So, I mean, they're on, on pace on breaking that poor record. Um, but yeah, I mean, there there's really no point in sacking Bradley because who are you going to get in that's going to do a good enough job for them to stay up? Well, yeah, that's my Who's point a, exactly. I mean, who? And, who? and Well, I don't know. Bruce Arena's not available anymore. <laughs> Zing. Yeah. So, I mean, if you if you have to hire a third manager in a single season, then it's something wrong with the club, not the manager. That, exactly. That exactly. Yeah. And this is a club that was in like League One. How long ago? Mm, they, oh, been, they, they've been up for a while. Yes, yeah. but they were they they came from like League Two. Yeah. I, I, that I was, say, let's see... They, 2010? I want to say 2007, they were in the League One. Really? I I thought that they were promoted later than that. Okay, well, it was during, during Martinez's time. I know that much. So somewhere right. between 2007 and 2009. Um, but yeah, it's there's something wrong with the, pro, or with the club. Give Bradley some money to go shopping in the... January 2011. 2011. Oh, there we go. Uh, yeah, give Bradley some money. And ban him from signing his son. <laughs> hey, hell, I mean, if he finds himself out of his depth in the Premier League, that might be better for the U.S. national team. And no, I mean, I I like the Swans. Good luck to them in staying up, but I don't... Swansea really was promoted from... They were promoted from league. They won League Two, which is the fourth tier, in 2005. Mm-hmm. They won League One in 2008. Yeah, and then they got promoted in 2011. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, bad, bad run of games for them. They're at the bottom of the table with nine points. They have a uh, goal difference of negative 15 after allowing Oof. a league high 31 goals. Oof. But they don't have the worst uh, goal differential. That's Hull. Minus 18. God, they're so bad. They're just abysmal. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's move on, though. West Brom. They took a 3-1 to win over Watford. Uh, Polly, I bet you got a little laugh of Johnny Evans scoring. Wait, what? What happened? Johnny Evans <laughs> scored. Is that like his first goal of his life? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You'll have to Google it. I, I mean, I really would. The only thing I remember about John, like, obviously, other than all the goals that he conceded while he stood around in the box <laughs> just watching, but I do remember that first year that Johnny Evans came up where he pretty much essentially replaced Gerard Piquet as our third choice center back, mm. in that he got so many chances in front of goal and just never finished. And it was frustrating, but it was like, yeah, but we still won the game like 4 1. Like, so how frustrated could you be? Let's see here. During his time with Manchester United, he had one league goal during the 2011 2012 season. And then All right, had, we didn't win the league that year. And then during the 2012 13 season, he had three goals in 23 appearances. And then last year, he had one goal in 30 appearances. For he actually time. had four goals in 2013. He had one in. Yeah, four Europe. total, yes. But I'm talking the league here. Yes. So, uh, yeah, it's a rarity for sure. In, uh, let's see. Probably the only three goals that the team scored that didn't come off the foot of Robin Van Persie that year. Mm. Yep, just about. Mm. So, yeah, so he got a goal. That was the opening goal. Uh, Chris Brunt scored a nice one. Um, and then Matt Phillips got the third one for West Brom. And then What's... Watford had one from Cabazela. So West Brom, I mean, they're doing pretty, pretty good. They're up in seventh place now. They're one point behind United. United they were actually ahead of United. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the what what needs to be spoken about, and as much as 
as Elliot might hate them, is West Brom have scored eight goals in their last three games. I know. I was just going to say that. It was just like, oh, my God, Tony Pulis' side scored three goals. <laughs> ten goals in their last four. So, And they're unbeaten. Three wins, one draw, ten goals scored, uh, two, three goals conceded. Hmm? That's – this is a team that didn't really concede. Oh, yeah, they did. Never yeah. mind that. But yeah. I blame – I blame me for adapting <laughs> Elliot's either one nil or one one uh, prediction <laughs> model for West Brom, and ever since then they've they've been scoring goals. Well, so, uh, yeah, they've scored one yeah, more. So I I don't know why we're giving Tony Pulis credit here. Yeah. <laughs> they've scored one more than Man United in the last three games. No, I, overall okay, they got yeah, yeah they yeah, got 20, yeah, 20 league brutal. goals against United's nineteen. Yeah, but I mean, Crystal Palace, they have 24 goals. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they... United don't score goals. Yeah. We're not a goal scoring team. Crystal Palace have scored double the amount of goals as Burnley have, and they're on the same amount of points. Burnley don't concede goals. Yes, they do. Not at home. <laughs> a little caveat there. Not at home. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, good win for West Brom. And then Arsenal. Slapped West Ham in the face, 5-1. Alexis Sanchez with the hat-trick, Mesut Ötzil and uh, Oxlade-Chamberlain with the other goals. And then Andy Carroll scored for West Ham, of course, because he was Of back. course he did. Also, he was... And of course it was just like, as soon as he came off the bench, I turned to, I was watching uh, the game with my friend Josh at the Arsenal Bar in Denver, and just like, Okay, Dimitri Payet is going to produce some magic, and then Andy Carroll is going to score against us. <laughs> it's like, oh, hey, look at that! Off the crossbar, Andy Carroll. Mm-hmm. But it was—I mean, it was a fantastic and complete performance from Arsenal. Uh, it was exactly what you wanted to see from you know coming back off midweek, and they played brilliantly. Mm-hmm. Eight shots on target, five of them finding the back of the net. I mean, Alexis Sanchez, both his first goal and, I mean, they they were all excellent, but his first and third especially were beautiful. Um, I mean, the step over on the third, I, it was so fast in real time that I didn't even see the feint. I just saw the keeper go down, which I thought was instinctive, and then upon replay, it was just, oh, I watched that over and over. But the first one, I feel, is almost even better in terms of, you know, like, controlling the really strong ball that was sent into him from, I think, I think it was Mustafi. It might've been Jacob, but I'm pretty sure it was Mustafi. Um, and then turning, running into the box, dummy shape to shoot, then actually shoot. And at that tough of an angle, I mean, I think that he's, you know, uh, he said recently that he wants to be spoken of in the same breath as Lionel Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo. And while I don't think that he has quite established himself on that world-beating plane just yet, he is damn close. He is damn close. Because we've all known that he's close to that just in terms of pure quality. And his performances of late have been just absolutely stunning. Yeah, he's been in great form. I'm super happy. I had him as my captain in my fantasy league, and I played a triple captain card. So uh, that's very... something that I never get right. So. Oh, I was so happy. I pulled in 107 it's, points it, from just from Sanchez, or no? He he was good for like 69 of those points. Oh, I, yeah. I it's like gam- <laughs> it's like it's like gambling with me. Like I I if I can tell you really good accuracy. I could look at a slate of games and be like, yo, this line, these are very favorable odds. Like this team, I'm telling you, they're going to get the win today and then they will. And then, you know, you'll get like a, a man city or you'll, you'll get like Barcelona playing at home to like real Batiste. And I'll be like, Oh, they'll win this game and I'll throw money on it. And the next thing you know, is a draw. Yeah. <laughs> Moving over to Sunday, Bournemouth took a four to three win over Liverpool. A very entertaining game. Uh, late, late winner for Bournemouth. Uh, they came back from a 3-1 deficit. To Bournemouth seems to be really good in December. I have not checked back on previous seasons, so I can't... Well, they beat, they beat Chelsea at Stamford Bridge last year and mm-hmm. United at home in back-to-back weeks in December. Yeah, yeah I do remember that. And mm-hmm. in fact, in fact, that Chelsea game was 
last weekend a year ago, and the United game is this upcoming weekend a year ago. So, yeah, and that was, I mean, that was what I think, at least to my mind, felt that they totally sealed their safety. Yeah. And this win is going to go a long way because remember earlier in the year when they were dropping points and I said things like, I said, you know, they need to, uh, they need to really, it, it, these games are important because they got safety last year. They, they took six straight points off of United and Chelsea. You know, like what are the odds that that's going to happen again? And getting three points against Liverpool goes a long way. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, I mean, that's a huge, huge win. And I mean, they, the question is, what happened to Liverpool? This uh, Liverpool, well, for as consistent as they've been this year, you know, they haven't had the problems of inconsistency the way they did last year. But oh yeah, God, but they they are bad at the back, and they they're have, so bad away from away from Anfield. Yeah, and then they have away from Anfield. They still haven't solved their goaltending issues. Loris Karius is not good enough to be a starting goalkeeper in the Premier League. And I'm sorry if I'm judging him too too soon. He's only played nine games, but I don't. Can't I don't the ball out like that. No, that's just criminal. But again, and you're I you're playing this at the time. I said this at the time. It's hard. I can't make fun of him because I just want you know. David De Gea did the exact same thing last week in the League mm-hmm. Cup. The exact same thing. Ball right in his chest, and he just spilled it right out, and West Ham kicked it right in. The difference was for David De Gea, uh, not such high stakes. And it was like 17 minutes into the game, so there was plenty of time for United to write the ship. And he had United's non-league players in front of him. This time it was, you know, the 92nd minute when the entire stadium, the, the entire stadium was on one big hill, and Liverpool's net was at the bottom of it. You know, yeah. there was no way Liverpool were, were getting back in this. No, and I, I feel like the penalty that you know Milner gave up that was a poor challenge, which kind of shows that he's not a natural defender. And then they had to play Lucas in central defense. And I think that was his first game playing next to Dejan Lovren too. Yeah. Well, but again, you know, they Lucas goes in the central midfield. Okay. Well, uh, not central midfield, central defense. James Milner dropped to left back this year. And that's maybe the first time that it's been an issue. Yeah. It's just, everything's coming up. Everything works for Liverpool. But they, I mean, they, they can't go on. I think if they're going to be able to win the title, they can't go on allowing that many goals. Cause right, they, they need to they, uh 13 of their 17 goals that they've conceded have come away from Anfield. So they don't give up goals at home, similar to Burnley, and they are a leaky faucet on the back end. No. It's funny, though, because I was, I was uh, watching this game. I was at my girlfriend's place, and... So she doesn't. She has a terrible cable package that does not include NBC Sports. So I was watching this game on my phone, like a peasant or like what either of you two would do. Doesn't she? <laughs> don't she have Apple TV? We, we peasants, huh? We peasants. Apple Anywhere TV. west of uh, Jersey City. Yeah. You do Apple TV and whoa, then you hear on your phone. Oh, you think that Jersey City isn't included amongst the peasants? No, I, no yeah, I know, I know. I was, uh, you know, the boundaries are different. It, maybe it's a borderland town. Um. Anyway, so it's it, even if you have an Apple TV, like if you're watching on a streaming service, it's delayed a bit rather than if you're watching on regular cable. So all of a sudden, I hear screaming. Oh, like I hear cheering wow. from somewhere, from like somewhere, like an apartment over or something. And she just went, what, like, what could they be watching? Like, what game is on right now that people would be cheering? And I was like, give me 40 seconds and I'll let you know if it's this one. And <laughs> sure enough, like, within the next 40 seconds, Bournemouth scored. That That's when you just go and be like, honey, you know, I'm going to go and knock on their door and watch the game yeah. with them. I'll, I'll be back in a little bit. Okay. Well, then I then I, I, I went to the bar for the United game and, and in walks, you know, one of the one of the regulars there, and he walks in. And he's like, "This is my neighbor, Jose." He's like introducing him to everybody, and he said, "He said, yeah, I was leaving my apartment to come here, and I, I just heard English football on on the TV in my neighbor's apartment, so I knocked on the door, and the guy was like, "Oh, I'm a United fan." He said, "Can I come to the bar with you? Give me five minutes to change." <laughs> That's awesome. It's the same same thing. Yeah, and that that fan at the bar was. It's, I'm more about to transition into the United mm-hmm. game. I yep. would assume. Yeah, let's go. And for he it. was talking. He was talking to somebody, and he was saying, you know, like I'm a fan of Pogba and the way, and the way he he dribbles and does tricks on the ball, like Ronaldo used to do when he was young. He said, I'm just he said I'm a fan, you know, somewhat of 
long balls and play it down the wing and crossing and dribbling with the ball and, you know, some old school kind of football. And I just wanted to look at him and be like, Dad, (laughs) (laughs) you're my spiritual father here. There we go. I believe in those things. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it turned out to be a 1-1 draw for Manchester United on the road against Everton. Slotin and Ibrahimovic scored again for United, but Leighton Gorgeous Baines. Goal, by the way. Gorgeous goal, yes. He's capable of those things. Yes. He, he is. Leighton Baines, though, tied it up late, 89th minute with a penalty kick. And um, I'm just, yeah, I, I get frustrated even saying his name. Maron Fellini came in, 85th minute. Gives up the penalty two minutes later. Did you hear what Leon Osmond had to say? No. What did he say? After the game, Leon Osmond said when he was at Everton, we wanted, he said Fellaini was always pretty careless around, the, like, in the box. Mm-hmm. So when we were defending, we wanted Fellaini nowhere near the box. Yeah. He shouldn't be nowhere near that's, the that's pitch. Why, that's why David Moyes moved him up to play that number 10 role or just as the striker. And that's when all of a sudden he started scoring and David Moyes decided you're actually worth $3 million more than your release cost says you are. Yeah. And <laughs> paid God. Yeah. God. I mean, that could, that could be David Moyes' biggest uh, screw up as United manager was signing Fellaini. It's going to, it's going to go down. It's like that. Like signing Fellaini is going to be for like David Moyes signing Fellaini is going to be like in five years when we're looking back at how Jurgen Klinsmann didn't cap tie Cameron Carter Vickers. Mm. Mm. God, I can't wait till Arsene Wenger leaves Arsenal, whether he leaves on his own merit or Arsenal fans run him out of town. And you guys have to go through the same thing that we're currently going through. Oh, I mean, uh, believe me, I, I, I see it. I see it on the horizon. And it's funny, I was just thinking. Yesterday, um, when I was flying back from Denver, it was just like, God, I hope, I, I hope that he either announces his retirement imminently, so at least we know, or else he signs another one-year extension. Because waffle as I do about his selections, I his consistency is literally unparalleled in the Premier League. Yeah, and. My my friends who are Arsenal fans, oh boy, do they love yelling at me and taunting me. And it, this is, it's a what goes around comes around situation. You yeah, know, like I understand, sure. I understood. You know, United aren't going to win forever. I'm not. I don't. I don't hate Jose Mourinho because we're not winning. I like. Can we play a style of game that like is yeah. entertaining and like not give up on the game after seventy minutes like we always do? Yeah. I hate him irony. because he's an awful person and he throws his players under the bus and he propagates a boring style of football. There are a lot of reasons to hate him besides not winning. <laughs> right, right, yeah, and he does all those things and he's not he, and he used to be able to back it up, but he's not able to back it up anymore, which is a problem. And what I was amazed about is. How many how many articles came out right after the game and it was like oh you're scapegoating Marijuan Fellaini and that's just the easy way out and you shouldn't be doing that and yeah I I don't disagree with that like sure Fellaini Fellaini gave up the penalty that you know should have that that tied the game but should Fellaini have been on the field no no that's <laughs> Mourinho's <laughs> yeah. fault and the problem is and. Uh, how come Everton were knocking on the door? Like Fellaini, all right, so I read Fellaini was brought on to deal with the crosses that were coming in because he wanted some height mm. and Everton were asking a lot of questions over the last that's such, for the 15 minutes that's, before that. Well, why were Everton asking so many questions? Yeah. Because you stopped playing after 70 minutes. Yep. Because <laughs> Jose Mourinho, after 70 minutes with a 1-0 lead, goes, all right, let's sit back and let's defend this lead. And you can't do that with this team. Did you this see team's the, not good enough. <laughs> did you see the fan wearing the Fellaini wig who they showed who after the goal like tore his wig off and stormed out of the stadium? <laughs> nice. No, I did not see that. Yeah. You, it, like, I would have burned that's, that. That's yeah. my biggest problem. First of all, my biggest problem is the fact that in the 60th minute, I turned to somebody at the bar and I said, this game's going to end 1-1 because eventually we're going to take off Mickey Tarian and bring on Fellaini. Like, it's going to, that's the sub. It's going to be Fellaini for Mickey Tarian. 
and we're going to we're going to sit back. We're going to invite Everton to attack us, and they're going to break through. And that's Mourinho's style, and that's why he won at Chelsea, because that was his thing. He killed off one 0 games. That's why no one's ever accused him of being an entertaining manager, because he goes out there and he gets a one 0 lead. And yeah, there are games where um, he scores. You know, they they you know Diego Costa would hit a bunch, or Didier Drogba would would pot two, and Lampard would add one. But that's not happening. But there were also plenty of games where it was, you know, finally they got their breakthrough and then it's let's sit back and let's kill off the game. Yeah. You could do that at Chelsea because you had John Terry and I don't know who their other center back was. Uh, it's escaping me like who their center back was in uh, 2006 and seven. But you had John Terry. You had Claude Makélélé and John Obi Mikel and Ramirez and just a bunch of other players who ran around like engines in the yeah, and John Obi Mikel was huge for that team. Yeah, and broke up everything. So you couldn't really mount attacks against Chelsea. Um, and then he won again with Chelsea two years ago because he had John Terry again and he had uh, a better version of Gary Cahill out there. And he had Nemanja Matic, who was N'Golo Kante before N'Golo Kante was. It, he just happened to run and um, Nemanja Matic into the ground that year. So by the end of the season, he was a little bit tired and not so much more effective. But again, you couldn't attack that team. Um, now you have you have Michael Carrick, who is fantastic at what he does, but is not a, a guy that runs around like with an engine and breaks everything up. You have Ander Herrera, who does run around all over the field but is you know he's still learning the defensive parts of the game that's not his strength and you don't have guys with engines that can run around like John Obi Mikel or Ramirez and break everything up and make it impossible to attack and when you do get those attacks through um you have Marcos Rojo back there who by the way at center back I'll say it I'll be the first one to say it hasn't been that bad as a center back Probably lucky to be on the field, though, because he probably should have gotten sent off in the first half. You have Phil Jones in there, who also has not been that bad. But that's the thing, is you have guys that haven't been that bad, not guys that are really, really freaking good. Mm -hmm. We should say that John Terry's partner during that season was Ricardo Calabajo. Oh, yeah, he was good. And look, it's not. I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and... and pump my my nostalgia fist and say Sir Alex Ferguson never never did that like yeah there were plenty of times where Sir Alex Ferguson would kill off a 1-0 game and you know bring on an extra defense midfielder or bring on John O'Shea or something just to tighten things up but he also had Rio Ferdinand and Nemanja Vidic at the back and would bring in he had Patrice Ever and he would bring in like a John O'Shea or um a Darren Fletcher who they would just run around and and not let teams attack uh it's a different you have a different team here, and I don't think Mourinho gets it that this team can't play that way. And this goes back to what I was saying before: is is when can you, when can you get, uh, when is what's the difference between when to fire a manager and when to give him time? And the manager, yeah, I used David Moyes before. The manager that I was um, thinking of to counter this is Thomas Tuchel at Borussia Dortmund right now, who have been wildly inconsistent and. They have problems, and they're a leaky faucet at the back. But I'm confident Tuchel will get it right because his issues are just at the back, and he's sticking with what he's doing. He's getting the difference is Tuchel is getting the best out of his players, which David Moyes is now starting to do. Jose Mourinho is not getting the best out of his players, who are very talented. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you could, you know, it's like asking, are United unlucky because? Yeah, they've been pounding teams' goals recently. They take shot after shot after shot. Under Herrera hit the post. Are they unlucky or is something wrong? And it's probably something wrong because, let's be honest, like this team has Paul Pogba and they have Anthony Martial and Marcus Rashford and Wayne Rooney and Juan Mata and Henrik Mkhitaryan. Um, and most importantly, Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Yep. Yeah, like their one goal against Everton was a piece of magic from Zlatan, which – Yes, Laton should be able to contribute a piece of magic once every three games, or maybe he's that good that once every two games. But Zlatan should be getting two or three tap-ins a game. Mm -hmm. Or someone else should be getting two or three tap-ins a game. And we're not getting any. <laughs> nope, that's true. I mean, one interesting fact, though, I mean, I'm, I'm just delving down deep in that 
season for Chelsea under Mourinho. And 15 of their league wins came with the scoreline either being one nothing or 2 nothing. Yeah, they didn't score. But they didn't give up goals. No. You don't have that option at, at, at United. And yes, we have David De Gea, who's one of the best three or four goalies in the world. But being one of the best three or four goalies in the world in soccer isn't like being the best goalie in the world in hockey. It's not going to get you as many wins as you think it will. Yeah. Yep, that's true. That's true. So United, they're in sixth place, 21 points, six points behind Tottenham. And they two meet in the next round of games here. I mean, they're just a joke at this point. It, it's sad, but it's a joke. They're a joke. It is sad, and you know it could end up costing them a lot of money too, because the sponsor deal yeah. with Adidas, uh, Adidas. I mean, is that the wake up call that Ed Woodward needs, or someone needs to get rid of Ed Woodward? I mean, I, I hope Mourinho so. Jose Mourinho is not the one that turned this club into a joke. That was Mister Woodward. Yeah. And was all- the sponsor dealship? Is the sponsor deal with Adidas like specifically contingent on like a certain place finish? Yeah, or they, can't, just, they, they can't miss the Champions League two years in a row. Yeah. Ah, okay. Then they get. I don't know if it's money back it drops, or they don't have think, to pay as much. I think the shirt deal either drops to yeah. thirty-five million or it drops by thirty-five million. I think it's buy. Million. I think it's buy. So they would get like forty million rather than seventy-five or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, good bad times for United. Everton. I mean, that's the thing. Like, you can kiss the Champions League goodbye right now, unless you do the Europa League route, which is frankly what he should do. Yeah, Everton. That's, they... that's Mourinho's best bet right now. Is is this team has clearly proven that they could play in the cups against teams that aren't as physical as them? Uh, go all out to win the Europa League. Yeah, uh, four draws and one win in their last five league games. Everton. They went down to eighth place. And they only have one win in they've their won, last five. They've won two of their last 11 games. So, and that's, that goes back to August 27th. Since August 27th, they have played 11 times. They've won two games. 15 teams in the league have won more than that. That's not good. 15 teams. Mm-hmm. And those teams include Bournemouth. Crystal Palace, Sunderland, Southampton, Burnley, Stoke, West Brom. Of those, of the five teams, three of them uh, that haven't won that much, three of them are United, West Ham, Leicester. They've won two. Mm. Those are the teams that won two, and then there's a couple others that won one. Last game Monday that was Middlesbrough against Hull. Uh, Middlesbrough took a one nothing win after goal by Gaston Ramirez in the 60th minute. And, I mean, looking at it from Hull's point of view, at least you only lost by one goal. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I guess. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, they're abysmal at the back. They're not very good going forward either. They have allowed... This wasn't, this wasn't like Hull held Middlesbrough to one goal. This was like Middlesbrough were only able to score one goal. Yeah. Yeah, they've conceded 29 goals. That's... Uh, Second worst together with West Ham. Uh, Swansea are the worst with 31. And then they've only scored 11 goals. So they have three losses, one win, one draw in their last five. But they're only one point from safety. Well, that's what getting off to a hot start will do for you. (laughs) Yeah, because West Ham have been very, very poor as well. I mean, we could, uh, yeah. I mean, we could easily see both Leicester and West Ham drop into the relegation zone at some point here in the near future. Oh, definitely, definitely. I mean, I, I still, like I said earlier, even as early as it is, I, I think that Sunderland, Hull, and Swansea are my picks for being relegated. With Burnley also in that mix, that doesn't mean that Leicester and West Ham won't drop into that. But you know, you just. The thing is that... Oh, my God. Did you see the troll job that the championship pulled? Oh, no. They tweeted uh, the the official, like, English Championship League Twitter account tweeted, like, we've missed... Like, we missed you too, West Ham fans. Like... <laughs> Welcome Ouch. back. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, West Ham and Leicester were two of the 
you know, they were, uh, well, yeah, I guess they were the biggest positive surprises last season. And now they're being two of the biggest disappointments. Definitely. I think those are both true. Mm -hmm. Uh, Closing thoughts. Elliot, go for it. Uh, I think that I, there were a couple times when I was frustrated by Kieran Gibbs's play, but when he and Jenkinson slotted in, in our last Champions League match, I thought they both looked woefully out of their depth. And yet today, Gibbs was great. I thought he, I mean, again, there were a couple of moments when he was too long in possession and got dispossessed in moments when I thought to myself, you know, Monreal was able to take it to the the byline and get a cross in or, you know, gets rid a little quicker. So I still think Monreal is the clear first choice at left back. But Gibbs acquitted himself pretty well, and I was happy to see that. I think Holding did as well. We still looked shaky at the back, but when of your four first-choice defenders, you only have one in there, it's it's tough. So I, I think that, you know, all credit to Arsenal going forward in our last two games, obviously scoring five at the weekend, scoring four today. It's hard to, you know, not just focus on the positives attacking, but... Those those were things that I take away as, you know, not not definitive markers of Gibbs and Holding for the future, but also, you know, they're good squad players. And that's what we've missed in the past few years is good squad players. So I was really happy to see that. Polly. So I don't know if you've known this, but I've, I kind of have a, a bit of a thing against U.S. soccer these days because since 2014 – U.S. soccer has been less of a soccer federation and more of just a, a marketing gimmick or a marketing ploy, culminating, you know, in how they uh, wear their away jerseys during home World Cup qualifiers because they're just trying to sell jerseys and everything. And their Twitter account, which I understand is probably run by some 23-year-old recent grad, but they need to, co- to come out with a, come up with a break, to, to take a break from things. Like, get, like they're, they just seem so tone deaf. And it started last night when they said, we've released the nominees for U.S. Soccer Player of the Year. And their nominees were. Now, I get it. If you're going to have an award that's an annual award, someone has to win it even if no one deserves it. But <laughs> their, their nominees, they, the nominees, Josie Altidore, Michael Bradley, <laughs> Jeff Cameron, Quint Dempsey, and Bobby Wood. And then... If that's what you're going to do and just do that, like, okay, do that. But then later that night they tweeted, Josie Altidore is up first in our hashtag making the case series for U.S. Men's National Team Player of the Year. So they're going to do this for everybody. And it's oh like God. the guy scored six goals this year. He missed the biggest tournament of the, season, of the year. Michael Bradley, who has been one of the – who has been an awful midfielder for two years. Yeah, Cameron deserves it. Dempsey, I think, has played in like four games for the U.S. this year. He scored like three goals, so he actually, from an efficiency standpoint, deserves it. And then there's Bobby Wood, who's the only player on the... Apparently, they take their league form into consideration as well. And if you take... Of course they do. If you take the uh, league form into consideration, Bobby Wood obviously needs to, to run it. And now, look, I'm not one of those guys that says, where's Fabian Johnson? Where's Christian Pulisic? Uh, I don't know if Christian Pulisic has the year-long resume to be there. Fabian Johnson, though he's probably our best player, that's not Christian Pulisic. And one of my favorite players, let's call a spade a spade, in a U.S. shirt, not his best year. So that's fine. But, I mean, give me some some act. Like, Why don't you watch the games and nominate players based on that rather than just going with the same old names that are the reason that U.S. soccer is in the predicament that they're currently in. I'm going to close things off with a quote by one Slatan Ibrahimovic. Uh, he had a um, challenge with Seamus Coleman in the game against Everton. And, uh, you know, after the challenge, one of his boots fell on Coleman's head. And some people said it was intentional. Slatan said it wasn't. And here's his quote about the uh, incident. Uh I heard one of the commentators say I kicked someone in the head on purpose. It was a 50-50 duel and Coleman pulled me down. I tried to avoid touching, but so, dot, dot, dot. Trust me, if I want to kick somebody in the head, I know how to kick somebody in the head. And I will make (laughs) him fall asleep. So that's the only thing I have to say.
good old Slatan. Always good for that's, a quote. Yeah, that's 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 just great. Yeah. <laughs> so with that, we'll say goodbye. We'll be back again later in the week to preview match day fifteen. Until then, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm Seb Noren. Paul is P. Quistel WFAN. And Elliot is Keats was better. And make sure to give FanRig Sports a follow as well. So until next time, have a good one. Bye. Thank you.